Welcome to Ronnie Phillips Podcast. This message is made possible by the partners of Abba's House Media. Help us continue to share this message around the world about how to live free and fully alive. Visit abbashouse.com slash partner to learn more. And before you leave, be sure and subscribe to Pastor Ronnie's YouTube channel. Now, here's Pastor Ronnie Phillips. We are excited. We're in a series uh, on prayer. And this will be message two of that series. And uh, last week we talked about the why principle. The why principle. And uh, we answered the question, why do we pray? So I want to do some review. Is that okay with everybody on a Wednesday night? First reason we pray is because God's word says to pray. Amen? The next reason we pray is because Jesus modeled it. He modeled it in the area of connection. He modeled it in the area of confession. He modeled it in the area of communication. In the area of conviction, Jesus modeled prayer for us that we might learn how to be in covenant with the Father. The third reason that we pray is because prayer gives us the power to carry on. Amen? Praying in the Spirit, supplication, thanksgiving, intercession, all of those things strengthens your inner man and helps you carry on. And finally, we pray because it keeps us holy and humble and because He answers our prayers. We do it because He answers us. Amen? We don't do it at a ritual. We don't do it as a meditation like the Buddhists do. We do it because we serve a God who answers us, who loves us, who believes in us, who will speak to us during the night hours. He will speak to us during the difficult times. Now, the next few weeks, we're going to get in to the Lord's Prayer. Tonight, the Word Principle. Last week, the Why Principle. Tonight, the Word. We're just going to be kicking that off with four or five words tonight. And then the We Principle. But we're going to get into the Lord's Prayer tonight. Verse 8. Actually, let's just go back to verse 5. Matthew chapter 6. And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites. And we talked about what that word means last week. It means to wear a mask. I think that many Christians have been falsely accused of being a hypocrite because they simply fall short occasionally. A hypocrite is not someone who occasionally makes a mistake. A hypocrite is someone who pretends to be something they are not. They wear a mask. And far too many people on the sidelines are criticizing people in the game or in the race or in the fight because they aren't brave enough to walk this walk of faith. Amen? To walk on this road of faith. Most of the time people criticize what they don't have the bravery or the boldness to do. This is extra tonight. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they already have their reward. Their reward is to be applauded and approved and affirmed by men and women. They're looking for a flesh reward. Authentic prayer produces a spiritual reward from heaven. Somebody say amen. But you, when you pray, not if you pray, everybody say me. It's talking about you, talking about me. 
But when you pray, not if you pray, not when you feel like it, but you, when you pray, go into your room, into your secret place. And when you have shut your door, pray to your father who is in the secret place and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your father knows the things you have need of before you even ask him. So we answered the question why last week. So we kick it off with these few words tonight. In this manner, therefore, pray. Heavenly Father, I ask you to anoint this word tonight, Lord. I'm thankful, Lord, that you give us a guide in your word. I'm thankful, Lord, that you still speak to us. Lord, that you uh, are not a dead person we are worshiping, that you are alive and well, and you are seated at the right hand of the Father tonight. And you are praying for all of your children. Lord, I'm just thankful that you're active and you're loving and you're in our lives. Lord, you're in our lives because you want to be. You love us, Lord, when we don't deserve it. Lord, you've taught us how to serve. You've taught us how to speak. Lord, over the course of the next few weeks, teach us to pray. Teach us not only why we need to pray, but how we should pray. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. In Luke chapter 11, verse 1, it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place. When he ceased, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. The only example we have of the disciples asking for teaching is in the area of prayer. Isn't that interesting? The only example we have of them asking God to teach them something was in the area of prayer. Why is that? Because they saw Jesus operate in the power of the Holy Spirit. They saw him operate as man, but also God, as God, but also man. They saw that his prayers could still the storms, multiply food, open blind eyes, change the water to wine, heal people that are crippled, do extraordinary things. They saw deaf ears open. They saw dumb spirits cast out. They saw demonic spirits tremble when Jesus would pray. They saw that his prayers changed history humanity and change the hearts of men and women and his prayers are still changing the hearts of men and women 2,000 years later somebody give God an amen tonight they saw what his prayers did in the natural and they wanted in on it you know there's nothing wrong with watching God in someone or on someone and wanting to get in on what God's doing amen if God's put an anointing on somebody I want some of that amen if, if God's using someone, I don't want to suck the virtue out of them for fleshly reasons. But if someone's got an anointing, I don't know about you, but I want in on it. We have to be willing to allow ourselves to be vulnerable to get the gifts that God has placed, not only on the inside of us, but in other people. We've got to make ourselves vulnerable and be willing to receive from other people. Listen, you know, I, I'm not a big fan of know-it-alls. You know, I, I, I always want to be in a constant state of learning. How can I be better? How can I walk deeper with God? What new revelation can I learn from God's word? How can I grow stronger in my walk? That's the way we should all be. But some people feel like they've got the corner of the market on faith. 
And, and, and folks, you never get there. You should always be in a state of learning and receiving and wanting God to teach you things and reveal things to you that you've never seen before. That's the joy of the Christian life is that we can learn more about who God is all the time. As I said, the Lord loves prayer. It says in Hebrews 7 verse 24, but he, because he continues forever, has an unchangeable priesthood. Somebody say Melchizedek. Therefore, he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. For such a high priest was fitting for us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and has become higher than the heavens. God shares his heart with us when we pray. I don't know about you, but I want to get to the heart of God. How many of you want to get past the covering of this world and into the heart of God? All of us that love him want to get to his heart and want to have that time that we talked about under the tallit, in your prayer closet, in your car, in your basement, in your office, on the airplane, wherever it may be. Most of us want to have intimacy with the Father. And when we pray, we get to see God for who He really is. I want to give you five word principles tonight from the Sermon on the Mount. From really just the introduction to the Sermon on the Mount. It says, in this manner you pray. And then next week we'll get into the principles of prayer. I was telling my admin, Denise Ham, who's a great prayer warrior. I'm telling you, I am so blessed this woman can pray the preach on me when I don't feel like preaching. Somebody say amen. When she starts praying, I start feeling angels and Holy Ghost things start happening. And I'm thankful for her, man. She prays. She prayed for me before I came out here. And I tell you, I feel the power of Pentecost when she prays. And man, she can pray. Some of you can just straight up pray. I'm telling you, I want as many people praying for me and praying with me that I can possibly get. Amen. I'm telling you, if you know how to get in touch with God, God will find a place for you. And so will I, because I want to be connected with people that can get God's attention. And I'm telling you, I th I'm thankful for Hammy, man. She can straight up pray. She's a preacher's kid, too, like me, so we've got war stories. All y'all church people, how y'all treated our parents and all that stuff, you know. We sympathize and empathize with one another. But she's a mighty prayer warrior and she, she prays. But I want to teach you how to pray tonight from God's word. This is the word principle. Many believe that this model of prayer was used in the upper room. Now we're going to be celebrating Pentecost Sunday. We didn't talk much about that at the beginning. I'll probably make a video or write something about it. But many of you know... We're to bring a first fruits for Pentecost on the 20th. And I want to challenge you to bring something extra into the house for that day. God will bless it. It's a biblical principle. Tom, give me an amen. I know you will. At least Tom will give me an amen on that, okay? But many folks believe that the prayer used in the upper room when the Holy Spirit came on Mary and the apostles, when they were in one accord, when the Holy Spirit came in there and filled them, many people believe the prayer that they were saying that started that was the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Many people believe that. Let me prove it to you. 
the theologian Wright translates Acts chapter 1 verse 14 this way. It says they all continued in one accord in the prayer. Not in prayer. In the prayer is the way that translates. So many people believe that the prayer mentioned was the prayer in, that Jesus used to teach his disciples how to pray. There's so much we can learn from the word of God. But I'm telling you, if you don't know how to pray, just read this from Matthew chapter 6. Amen? I can remember we would pray this prayer before sporting events. And teams still do that across the country. You know, prayer is a matter of not only seeing God's heart, but opening your heart to the things of God. You know, you don't have to worry about your eloquence. You don't have to be a public speaker to pray. It, you don't have to feel weird about it. You know, some people have this fear of praying in public. I mean, they're just scared to death to pray in public. But I'm not concerned about what you do in public as to what you do in private. I want you to get in tune and in touch with God because he'll answer you. You'll find what you're looking for. It'll be opened if you knock. God wants to speak to you, friend. God wants to speak to his church. He wants to speak to his remnant. He wants to speak to his people. But we've got to be willing to pray. When we pray in accordance with the word, then God's divine nature pours through our spirit in a powerful way. Number one, I want to list God's promise from his word. Jesus said he'd give us an open heaven. He said, you pray, not if you pray. Jesus doesn't say if you feel like it or when you get around to it. There was an expectation from Yeshua that true followers of Jesus would pray. Jesus would probably roll his eyes at the fact that I'm having to preach a series on prayer. He probably would. He would probably roll his eyes that I'm having to challenge us to pray. He's probably saying you should have already been doing this on a regular basis. You should want to talk to me more than you talk to me. Jeremiah 33 verse 3. Call to me. Let's look at the prophets. Call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. The prophets understood it. In the old covenant, Ezekiel 22 verse 30. So I sought for a man among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it, but I found no one. The prophets understood the power of praying and opening their hearts to God. In the old covenant, we see Jacob wrestling in prayer to the degree his hip was knocked out of joint, but he kept holding on to the truth and to the dream that God had put in his heart. We see Moses running to pray. We see Elijah making declarations in prayer and calling things down from heaven. We see Job mourning and gasping in prayer. We see Habakkuk watching in prayer. We see this in the old covenant. And after what Jesus Christ has done for us, if these prophets and these old covenant saints could pray and believe, then we ought to be praying all the time and thanking God because we have the fulfillment. We have Jesus. And he's praying for us. So we ought to be in intercession and intimacy with him. God's place of prayer. We talked about this a little bit last week, but it says when you have shut your door, 
this means, as I said last week, that you don't need to try to get in touch with God with Fox News or CNN on, you know, with 80s rock on or country music or blues or R&B or whatever you listen to that's not Christian. You don't need 10 things going on. It says when you shut your door. This means when you shut yourself off from the world and its pressures and its pain, when you shut yourself off from the world and you just simply call upon the name above every name. This is a time that should be unobserved, undisturbed, and unheard by others. You need a time in prayer where no one bothers you. And every now and then, you need to shut your analytical mind off. You know, we make fun of people that pray in the Spirit, but sometimes you need to shut your mind off from what happened at work and all that you have to figure out and all that you have to worry about and everything that's wrong and every pressure that you have in life and you need to just have some time with God. And when you pray in the Spirit, I'm getting about seven weeks ahead of myself, but when you pray in the Spirit, those things begin to go away. And you begin to have a love language with God that you know not of and it's neat because it's a fortress that can't be penetrated by this world if it's authentic. But I don't waste a lot of time on that which isn't authentic because it's really not up to me. That's kind of up to God. He didn't call me to judge everything. I just need to get in touch with God for myself. If people have a problem with the way I pray with God, that's, they can go on with their bad self. I, I want to get in touch with God. He, I care more about my relationship with God than I do the opinions of man. Psalms 91 says, With a lifelong, long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. God's place of prayer, the secret place of the Most High. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide in the shadow of the all. Mighty. God has a reward for you in the secret place. He wants to speak to you. He wants to cover you. He wants to cleanse you. He wants to strengthen you. He'll defeat your enemies. He'll go to war for you. He'll give you victory. He'll give you power. No weapon formed against you can prosper. If you'll get in the secret place, God will fight your battles for you. He'll prepare a table in the presence of your enemies. But you have to get in that secret place. You have to release your mess, your junk to a father that loves you and then you've got to allow that spirit to fight your battles for you. How many of you in a battle tonight? Could be a personal battle, a family battle, a financial battle, whatever it is, I'm telling you, you get in the secret place with God, you allow that Holy Spirit to come in your life, Holy Spirit will fight those battles for you and you won't have to do it in the flesh anymore. Isn't it neat when God just fixes something? Sometimes God will just fix it. When you stop trying to fix it, God will fix it. Every time I try to fix something in my personal life, I, I, I flesh it up. My flesh messes it up. See, y'all thought I said a bad word, but I didn't. Dirty-minded people. All of you. I said flesh it up. But your flesh will mess it up every time. You have to practice this. And sometimes... I fall short in this area, and I know you do too, but when, 
when you're tempted to lash out at someone, rebuke, criticize, but you take a spirit approach and you speak love instead of death, how many of you have practiced that art and seen God just come on the same? When you've wanted to punch somebody, but you've blessed them, I'm not acting like I do this right all the time. But when I do it right, man, I felt God so strong, particularly within 24 hours. Because a lot of times, we're getting something off our chest, not our heart. And when the enemy is working in someone else to attack you or destroy you or defeat you or to, or to push you backwards... If the enemy that's operating inside of that person gets the response that they want, they win. If the enemy operating in that person gets the desired result they want, they, the enemy wins. We had a dramatic situation happen within, well, we've had a lot, a lot of them over the years. But within the last few days, we had some, some drama. And, and uh, I was sharing it with... Uh, one of our elders, trustee members, and I said, the fact that we're talking about this means the devil won. The fact that we're having a conversation about this, the devil won. This person didn't really understand what I was saying, but the desired result of a demon or a minion of the devil is to get your mind off God and talking about some fleshly drama that has no impact to the kingdom of God. So if I'm gossiping at 8 o'clock at night about something a demon did to try to attack me, then that demon won. But if I'm able to respond correctly and move on with a smile on my face and my eyes fixed on Jesus, then I've won. Because the enemy wants to kill what he can't control. The enemy wants to destroy and defeat you. And you have to allow the Spirit to help you get through these difficult seasons and understand that you're going somewhere with God. You're in a valley, but you're going to a mountaintop. You're going to a place where those devils can't go. They don't have the ability to go there. So rejoice in the fact that God's got purpose for you, friend. God's place of prayer. Number three, God's protection in prayer. In this manner, you pray. Why does he command us to pray? Because there's protection in it. There's affirmation. There's a covering. We pray to our Abba Father. We pray to Jesus Christ. We pray in the Spirit, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. We pray. When you pray to Jesus, that is the doorway to the Father, and the Father gives you a covering. I preach it like this all the time. Abba Father gives you a covering. Jesus Christ, his Son, is the finished work gives you redemption, forgiveness, salvation, but the Holy Spirit is divine momentum. And so if you have a relationship and you understand who your Father is, you'll have the confidence and the covering to produce and to perform and to do the things God's called you to do. When you have the Son, you have salvation, you have redemption, you have the ability to finish what's in front of you. When you have the Holy Ghost, you've got the divine momentum and intellect to get it done because God is working through you. And you need to understand that there is protection when you pray. It's like when my, when my child, a baby, is in my arms, that, that I, you know, nothing's going to happen to them if I've got my hands around them. That's my baby. 
They're in my arms. There's protection. When you get into the secret place with the Father, there's protection for you. There's protection for you. There's a sweet spirit. There's an embrace that will cover you. You can cry there. You can laugh there. You can rest there. You can get refilled, refueled there, re-energized. God wants to speak to you. You can get nourished there. You can grow there. Lord says, just come. Get in the secret place with me. God's protection in prayer. God's plan in prayer. I want to challenge you to pray the promises of scriptures back to God with an expectant heart. We talked about supplication last week, the ask and the expect. I want to challenge you to plead the blood of Jesus over your own life, over your children, your grandchildren. Pray the promises of God from his word out loud to God and watch what he does. Believe them. Anything done in a ritualistic manner won't bear much fruit. But if your heart is expectant that those promises from God are for you, then I'm telling you, God will shift the atmosphere and he will change you. He'll change your heart. He'll change your mind. He'll change your mouth. He'll change how you respond to demons. God will change the game for you because he has a plan way greater than you could ever imagine for you. But you've got to stop trying to figure it all out with your analytical mind and believe God for something extraordinary, supernatural, epic, as Pastor Adam would say in Kids Men. Epic. Believe God for more than what you have. Believe God to go places you've never been before. Don't allow anyone to limit your dreams to one zip code. I tweeted that the other day. Only like seven people liked it. I thought it was awesome. (laughs) But don't allow people's dreams or people to limit your dreams to one zip code. God wants to use you. You say, well, I'm not a preacher. It doesn't matter. You are. You're a minister of reconciliation. You're an ambassador God wants to use you. Look at the people God has used. He doesn't pick the most well-informed, the best-looking, the the favorite child. God uses the least and the last and the unlikely to do great and mighty things. He has a plan for your life. Finally, God's passion in prayer. God's passion in prayer. It says he will reward you openly. Expect God to move. It says there in Jeremiah, when we call on him, he will answer. He will answer. That's a promise. So I want to challenge you before we get in to the specifics of the kingdom, to the other dimension to the benefits of prayer bite by bite. I promise you, if you'll call on God and you'll get in that secret place, you're going to see a shift. And friends, we need a shift in this church. We need a shift. 
and you say, Pastor Ronnie, I've shifted all I want to shift. Well, then you pray for the rest of us to shift. All right? Maybe you, you're at maximum shift capacity. Then you pray for this generation rising to shift. All right? And get to where God wants us to get to. You pray for others to shift. You pray for someone that has the strength that you once had to take up that mantle and start doing work in the kingdom of God. Because we are all in this together. Isaiah 58, 9, Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry and he will say, Here I am. Here he is. says in Jeremiah there in 33 that he will do and show us great and mighty things. He'll show us great and mighty things. How many of you want that in your personal life? How many of you want that in your church life? In your finances? In your family? For your grandchildren? Come on. How many of you want that? Well, let's just stand up right now and start asking him for it. Let's just start asking him for it right now. You just go into a time of intercession. I'd love to have some worship if we've got some. Just go into a time of intercession. Don't worry about who's to your right and to your left. We're going to pray. We're going to pray right now for our church, for our nation, for our family, for our finances. Even those of you watching on the internet, this is not about another message. It's not about another song. This is about you getting in your Psalm 91 secret place with God. And you need to get yourself in a place of expectation, of supplication, where you're bold enough to ask, but to a greater degree, you're bold enough to expect God to do what His Word says He will do. And then we're going to get to a place of intercession where we truly labor in prayer on behalf of someone else that can't. To a place of not only intercession but intimacy where we cry out to God knowing that He is in our midst, that He is here. I'm challenging you right now, wherever you are, to pray. Thanks for joining us today for Pastor Ronnie's message. Connect with us at abbashouse.com or ronniephillips.org. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. If it has, please subscribe to our podcast. You can invest in helping others live free and fully alive by giving at abbashouse.com slash give. Thanks for listening.